Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone today in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. Today we're going to be studying Alan and I in chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. I encourage you to go back and look at the first eight verses as we were talking about presenting our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable unto God, which is our or your spiritual service of worship. And it flowed into the spiritual gifts. So the context here is about relationships and how we are to act within the body of Christ specifically. But also all of these principles apply to everyone that we come in contact with as believers. And so we're going to pick up in verse 9. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Now, if you remember about the great chapter of love, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and that was uh, written prior to Romans, Paul has a concept of love that is based upon God's word. And if you go through that chapter, it is completely different than how the world defines love. And when we look at love, love has to be without hypocrisy. The world loves with a self-centeredness. They always say, I'm in love with you, then I've fallen out of love with you, and all of these things, and it's based upon emotions, it's based upon what is good for me. But when we look at God's love, God's love is not focused upon me, it's focused upon Him, and it's focused upon others. And if we love in that way, then we're going to love without hypocrisy. The world always has so much hypocrisy when they speak about what is love. But as believers, we walk in a pure love, a genuine love that is not focused upon ourselves, but is focused upon Him and is focused upon doing what is right in the eyes of God for others. Therefore, we abhor what is evil and we cling to what is good. We don't just tolerate what is evil and we accept it even though I'm not participating in it. We abhor it. I don't want to be around it. You should not want to be around anything that does not reflect the character of God. We abhor what is evil and we cling to what is good. Yeah, and I heard it said another way too, and when you talk about love and our natural love, people often think of a mother's love as sort of this pure love in the natural, but that's, that can be selfish too. It's it's my boy, it's my son, it's what's best for them. So even what we think is pure, you know, in the natural, doesn't always line up to what God defines love as. Yes, and sometimes parents live their lives through their children, so it, it becomes a, a self-centeredness as well. And when we think about God's love, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, read through that chapter, the great love chapter. God's love is completely different than the way that the world understands love. The worldly love is hypocritical. It's always focused upon myself. But when we love with God's love, we love without hypocrisy. We abhor what is evil, we cling to what is good. 
And I think, too, Scott, it's good to note, you know, as we're flowing out of the first eight verses, it's talking about the spiritual gifts and giftings. And this is the same setup that that Paul used, you know, when he wrote to the Corinthians, um, where he's saying, yes, there are these gifts, but then immediately he goes into love, which I think is important because as you have these gifts, you have to use them in love or they're, they're nothing, you know, as Paul writes when he writes the great love chapter. Yes, and he says to them, let me show you still a more excellent way. It's not that love replaced the spiritual gifts, and he's not doing this as well, but love is how the spiritual gifts must operate. And one of the characteristics of God's love is It does not rejoice with unrighteousness, but it rejoices with the truth. So again, he's connecting these together. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. That same concept is there, that we don't rejoice with unrighteousness, but we rejoice with the truth. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Again, the focus is not upon me. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. So if I'm going to be devoted to someone, then I have to do it in a way that's without hypocrisy. It's not focused upon me. Give preference to one another in honor. And so as we are understanding as believers how we should act, it is always God first, others second, and I'm always last. In fact, I'm to die daily. And you get these concepts that are constantly coming forth from God's Word and in Paul's teachings as well. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, I like this. It goes back to the understanding of what is worship. Worship is everything that we do as an individual, should be done for God's glory. So look at this, not lagging behind in diligence. We are to be diligent in everything that we are to do in life because we're serving the Lord. Fervent in spirit in serving the Lord, serving the Lord. So this fervency within our lives and not lagging behind in diligence is serving the Lord. So everything that we do, whatever the context is, whether we're at the job, in the school, at college, uh, working around the house, in our relationships, we are not to be lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. This is a way that we serve the Lord. Yeah, and I think you see this, Paul, not only writing about it, but living by example, he ministered to the places he went. And if you can just imagine if if everyone in the body of Christ went to a service or a small group or a fellowship with this mindset of serving one another, you know, putting others first, trying to be diligent and, and meet the needs of the saints that are there, just imagine how powerful would that be? Especially in the West, it's, it's turned into we go to a service, I need a, a word from the Lord, or I want to hear something, I'm going through this. Kind of gets about me, me, me sometimes, which of course the Lord wants to speak to us and he speaks to us in time of need. But if we go there with our focus on others, I mean, how much more powerful is that? And how how much more powerful would that service or that small group be if you had 90% of the people focused on others instead of it is now? It's usually 10% and the other 90% are there to get something. Yes. Coming, gathering together without any conditions and any focus upon myself. 
We're here to minister to the Lord. That's the reason why we gather together. And in that ministry, we're serving others. And it's not about me. And this is the concepts that you get as we go through, not just what Paul is saying here, but the concept of discipleship is constantly saying less of me and more of him. The focus not on me, the focus is upon the Lord. And this is not things, I I like to look at this, this is not things that we're striving to do. Yes, that's part of it, but this is who we are. This is a work of God's Spirit within us. If someone is really flowing in the ministry of God's Spirit and they're abiding in the Messiah and it's the Spirit of God that is guiding and leading us, then the focus is not upon ourselves. So when I hear someone, it's all about me and what God can do for me and what I need and all of these kind of things, there's really a lack of discipleship that has never taken place like it should take place within their lives. Living in a Western culture, people are growing up. It's all about me. Kids are being raised from a perspective and a philosophy, it's all about you. And then they find out later, life is not all about you, and you have to fit into a society, and uh, you have to be diligent, and you have to do things that you've never had to do before because you were never forced to do them, and people cannot handle it sometimes. But as believers who have been born of the Spirit, there is a freedom that should exist within our hearts. Life is not about me. That has been broken in my life. It's all about God about ministering unto the Lord, and it's about ministering unto others. And Alan, something I've noticed is when someone has that perspective, which is a biblical perspective, they've got joy in their life. They've got a sense of contentment. And it's not about what I don't have. It's about what God has done in my life, and I'm so blessed, and I give thanksgiving to God and everything. So let's continue here. Verse 12 rejoicing in hope. So we rejoice in hope. What is our hope? Our hope is in the Lord. Persevering in tribulation. It's not that God is promising you that he's going to take you out of tribulation. You need to read John chapter 15. It's very powerful what Jesus says to his disciples. But persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, How are we going to persevere in tribulation? We've got to stay in communion with God and with our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to be devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of saints. If we're going to persevere through tribulation, there are going to be lots of needs that builds up within the body of Christ. So contributing to the needs of saints, practicing hospitality. Now, I'm going to stop there for a moment, because if you go back to Romans chapter 8, you understand contextually, even in 57 AD, there is strong persecution against the believers. And so, in chapter 8, I should say, in chapter 8, he says, we are being put to death all day long like sheep that are being led to the slaughter. People are losing their lives. There could be confiscation of properties. People are not being able to develop financially because they name the name of Christ. 
later on in the letter that was written to the Hebrews, property had been confiscated, and we see that specifically. So if we have to persevere through tribulation, we better be devoted to prayer, and we've got to see the needs of the saint, and we better be contributing to the needs of the saints, and this would involve practicing hospitality. It might mean bringing in people that have lost everything and bringing them them into your home, helping them to get set up on their own, but practicing hospitality. I want you to see the flow of thought through all of this could be in the context, historical context, of great tribulation that is coming against the believers. And I think that goes back to what you said earlier, Scott, about people that are giving, that doing these things have this joy. It's the opposite of the world's mindset. You know, you think, well, I'm going through tribulation. Let me get my house in order. Let me take steps for me, me, me. Where in God's kingdom, it's when you start giving to others, that's when you see it come back to you. And it's just such a reverse way of thinking that it doesn't quite make sense in the natural. But, you know, you and I have seen it so many times. And, and, you know, growing up in the church, the, the people that are giving are the most happy, the most full of life, and their needs are met, and they may not have everything material wise right. or may not have the best of everything, but but God gives them what they need, and they have just a joy that's different from someone in the world that's that's seeking to better themselves. Or, yeah, going through a trial, and the natural thing would say, let me, I got to take care of myself, my family. But God here saying, you're going through tribulation. This is the time you practice hospitality towards others. Right. They're going to have to. They're going to have to step up and do it from within side of them. Uh, contributing to the needs of the saints. There is tribulation going on. We know that from chapter 8. We know it historically as well. Now, it's not the great persecution that's coming during the time of Nero. That's going to be between 64 and 68 A.D. We're about seven, eight years prior to that point, but there is ongoing persecution that has taken place against the believers. So you're going to have to step up, contribute to the needs of the saints, practice hospitality. You may have to take in a family for a year to help them get back onto their feet. When we look at this, this is a reality for the body of Christ because we're a family If you and I were blood brothers, Alan, and you lost your home, what kind of brother would I be if I said, no, you have to stay in my backyard, you can't come into the house? So so going back, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Mm -hmm. We're brothers in the Lord, and we must see the body of Christ as a family. So I've got to step up. I keep saying that phrase. I have to be willing from the heart to come and to love without hypocrisy. And I'm going to help my brother. I'm going to help my sister. We've got to come together as a family, and we have to persevere through this tribulation. And part of that is the next verse. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Because if the believers are going through tribulation and we're persevering through that tribulation and the body of Christ is coming together and helping each other and we're loving without hypocrisy, what about those that are persecuting us? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. We cannot allow bitterness that leads to hate enter into our lives, but we're going to bless them 
and we are not going to curse them because we have been forgiven by God, and we forgive you for what you're doing to us. And, and do you think in this, this verse, God, is he talking about sort of external persecution from the world, or could he be speaking to also persecution from within the body of Christ or people that have hurt you from, you know, within the body of Christ, your brothers or sisters that may have done, done something wrong? I think specifically this is in the context of what's happening within the body of Christ, but as we go through the flow of thought, it could be focused upon those that are bringing the tribulation as well, because so much of it is dealing with not focused upon ourselves, but helping our other brothers, and then it flows into this persecution. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. However, whether you're dealing with inside the body or outside of the body of Christ, it's still the same principle. And sometimes we are being persecuted by others within the body of Christ. It's almost worse a lot of times just for, yeah. for us. You've, you've, it hurts a little bit more when it's someone that you right. think is supposed to you know, be closer to you or, or on the same page as you. Right. And when I look at this, Alan, I probably would see this more of those that are persecuting from without because of how it's developing into this. And those who are persecuting bless and do not curse. In whatever context, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Think about that. There are some that are not going through persecution. Rejoice with them. But some might have lost everything because of their faith in Christ. Weep with those who weep. We're one family. Think of all of this as a family that if one of your children gets a scholarship and they get a free scholarship to go on to the university, we rejoice. And if the other child does not and they're disappointed and they, they feel like they're a failure and they're weeping, we comfort them. We weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. It's a family and we're the body of Christ. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Here, we're looking at this in the body of Christ. This is how we operate. This is who we are. This is how we treat each other. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We cry with those who are crying. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty. Do not be arrogant. Do not be self-centered in mind, but associate with the lowly, those that might have lost everything. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Now, I have seen this firsthand Sometimes I have seen this in India, where there's a lot of persecution against believers. And then when one person loses everything, I see other believers at times say, well, maybe they did something wrong, and God is causing this to happen to them. Instead of weeping with them and going with them and helping them, it's kind of a separation, but God protected us. And this is something that we have to be careful with, is that no matter why my brother went through this and a community outside of our faith attacked them and they lost their building and their, 
their children were attacked. And we don't speak down to that. We don't become wise in our own estimation. We don't know why God allowed that to take place. But I also know the same thing can happen to me. And it's only by God's grace that it didn't happen, but I've got to be ready, and I cannot be wise in my own estimation. Well, we were more spiritual than they were. No, we must associate with the lowly, and we must be able not to become arrogant in, my, in our own mind and wise in our own estimation, but we need to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. This is the body of Christ. I think about this in, an, in another way, too, that, you know, someone that's, that's like you said, in India, maybe lost everything, going through a real trial. You know, as Christians, we can over-spiritualize it and try to come in real positive and say, well, just have faith, and, you know, God's going to bless you, and it's going to turn around. Where sometimes you, they don't need to hear that. They need to just hear that you're with them, you're praying for yes. them, you know, and so, I, you know, I think when you're, you know, I, I look at someone that's lost a loved one, you know, if you came to that funeral service or you know, whatever type of service it is, and you're just, you know, smiling and trying to be positive, that's probably not the right attitude to have, because the people that actually lost that loved one are really going through something, and, yeah. you know, they don't need your your positivity and your faith at that moment. They don't need to be preached yeah. to at that point in their life. Yeah. What they need is someone to come help them say, here, come stay at our house contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. We're going to be there with you. You've lost everything, but we're going to help you to get back on to your feet, and we're going to be devoted to prayer. That's love without hypocrisy. Yeah, and the, and the reverse, you know, if you, you have a big win in your life, you get something that God blesses you with, and then, you know, you come in, someone comes in, Debbie Debbie Downer, like, you know, saying explain, we say here. Explain, explain. <laughs> well, because we're talking to people all around the world. Yeah, we, we have a term, it's called, if you're a Debbie Downer, it's just a, a made-up phrase, just mean everything that something's positive, you're going to find a way to make it negative, and you just always have a negative spin. So, you know, say Scott gets a scholarship or somebody gets, uh, you know, their doctorate, and you say, well, that's great, but tribulation's coming, brother, you know, and just not rejoicing with them, but but trying to you know, not let them enjoy that. And I think sometimes that can be the other person's heart, heart issue. And and another thing I think on this, this lowly and haughty in mind, I was going to ask you about it, Scott, but I've, I've seen this sort of too. I know here in the West, there's a lot of, and it's, it's more on the seeker friendly and maybe even in the prosperity gospels, but they always talk about influence and how Christ wants you to have this influence in, in the world. And, you know, I think some of that's generally okay to, to say, but they use it in a sense where you need to be around successful people and be with these people that, that you can influence that are successful. Where I see Paul saying just the opposite, you know, look for the people that are lowly and be with them and minister to them, you know, because we, again, it goes back to that that love without hypocrisy. If we're loving someone because we think we can get something out of it, it's being being a hypocrite about it. If we look at someone that's lowly, that doesn't have anything to give, that we can't ever gain from, you know, that's to me is, is really loving someone. And I'll, I look at that as the way Christ loves us. He t- chose to join our, himself with us. You know, we're just, we're absolutely nothing. That's the equivalent of us going out and finding someone on the street with no money, saying, you're going to be my son and you're going to be my brother and, and I'm going to walk with you and give you everything that I have. Yeah, and I just think we, we get that wrong where we think, oh, I want to be with this person or do something for this person because they could help me, where that's yes. just the opposite we should be thinking. 
Yeah, I think today in modern-day church in the West, it's about moving up the ladder in society so that you can be more influential with others and impact what they say, the kingdom. The problem is the whole focus is ministry, and it's not about me moving up the ladder, but it's about me serving God, serving others. And I don't even understand the mindset. I don't even understand the sermons many times. It's a dying to ourself every day and just saying, God, here am I, use me. And I'm not looking, and we should not be looking about how we move up a ladder of success within society. Success is serving God, serving others, and dying to ourselves. And if we do that, I think we're okay in every situation, whether it's in the body of Christ, whether it's in the job context or schooling, relationships, everywhere that we go. And it's that simple as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about dying daily and life's not about me. How does a dead man move up the ladder? If you think about that, and in Western church, many times, not all of them, I don't want to leave the impression that every single congregation is that way, but in evangelical churches, there is a shift that is going that way. And you mentioned the seeker-friendly, seeker-sensitive type of philosophy of churches. To me, they're on the wrong foundation, and I could spend an hour just talking about it, but I'm not going to do that. But it's that simple. I die. My life is to be worship unto God. Nothing about what I do is about me. It's all about Him. And if it's all about Him, then the characteristics of what Paul is talking about here is a natural thing that develops as I'm walking in the power of God's Spirit. And so I agree with you fully on that. And so... Let's continue down these verses here and look at the next verse. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. So again, it looks like this is in the context of persecution that is coming from the outside. Because in verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Verse 17, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved. And let's stop there. So what am I responsible for? For in any type of tribulation that is coming my way or against the body of Christ is to check my own heart, do what is right. I can only take care of my response to evil, and I never pay back evil with evil. What do I do? I bless those who persecute. I bless and I do not curse. And I'm going to be devoted in prayer. The very one that is killing me, I cry out, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Think about Stephen as he's being stoned. He's crying out the words of Jesus, forgive them. So we're a people of mercy and grace and forgiveness. We're a people that are loving without hypocrisy, and we're 
always striving to do the right things, not returning evil for evil. And as far as it depends on me, I'm going to try to be at peace with all men. Sometimes we can do everything right, and still there's tribulation and persecution that's coming against us. So what do I do? I check my heart. God, keep my heart pure. Let there not be bitterness that is planted in my heart that can lead to hate. You know, just because you have bitterness over something doesn't mean you're hating someone, but that is the root that can lead to hatred. And you've got to be able to forgive over and over and over again. And think about these believers. If you look at chapter 8, some of them are being killed. Some of them are experiencing the sword. There is persecution that is going on, and it's a real persecution. It's not like in America Well, someone said something negative about me. No, this is a persecution that is dealing with life and death. So I do not repay evil for evil. And as far as it depends on you and I, Alan, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge. Now, that statement there is going to be very important for chapter 13 because vengeance does not belong to us. Vengeance belongs to God, and God is going to give government the right to execute the sword. Yeah, and I'm just also, when you're reading this, I'm going back to verse 9 about this love without hypocrisy and, you know, how hypocritical of, is would it be of us as Christians if we're trying to exact revenge in the same way that the world does? You know, do we just have to have a different mindset? And I just think, you know, present day here in America, you know, there's a lot of political things happening. There's a lot of, you know, attacks, I think, on the foundation of the church and the gospel. But we have to be careful as Christians, you know, not to fall into that trap of exacting revenge and, you know, tit for tat on a on a comments or, you know. Can what, you explain tit for tat? <laughs> that just means, means you know, one for one. So if Scott yeah. says something, I got to one up him and say another thing. And Scott's got to say it. I always have to have the last word. I guess that's a good way to explain it. Sorry, yes. I'm using these no, I mean, these American uh, phrases. That's where I probably have the worst challenge or the biggest challenge is getting the last word in. Yeah, because I think from the side of, of darkness, and, and I think it's demonic, they're looking for that to happen, to call us out on that, to say, well, how can you call yourself a Christian? Look what you just posted, you know, and how vengeful and hurtful in the things you said about somebody that, that didn't agree with you. So I just think that's a something to be careful with, you know, as we move move it further into being persecuted and further into people attacking us, you know, we're really going to have to look back to this chapter and say, as far as it depends, let's be at peace with all men. Now, that doesn't mean not standing for truth and not right. standing for what is right, you know, as you know, as far as you can, you know, as possible. He's always saying there's a possibility that you can't be at peace, that it's going to come where you, you have to stand and, and fight and whatever happens. But... I think on this lower level stuff, you know, pick our battles where we're not getting into this vengeful spirit, we're not getting into this combative spirit with other people and that we're loving and showing love, especially to the world, because, you know, they don't know any better. They don't have the love of Christ in their heart, the mind of Christ, um, and we have to look at it, you know, in that way that they it's almost they can't help it. They have to serve their master, you know, which is which is Satan. So, you know, just be, be mindful as, as we come into that. And I'm, I'm speaking to myself here. Um, because I can go that route too. I don't like to to lose an argument, or you know, you wanna you wanna battle with people on certain things. But 
Lord's saying, no, you don't have to do that. You know, vengeance is mine, and I can repay. Yeah, we can speak the truth. We can stand our ground. We never back away from our faith. And at the same time, we do it in a way that reflects God's character, not being pulled into an evil context. And that's really hard to do sometimes when you're dealing with evil. But I'm not going to repay back evil with evil. Because we're a different people. We have been set apart to reflect who God is. God will bring vengeance. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. It is not in our hands. And so let's finish this verse here. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So as believers, we understand as people are doing evil and... They're plotting evil, and they're strategizing over evil of what they can do against the church. And when I say the church, I'm talking about the body of Christ. The revenge factor is not in our hands. When it comes, it belongs to God. And what I am responsible for doing is reflecting who God is in Christ Jesus, So I deny myself, I take up my own cross, and I follow him. And there are times in which there's not anything that you can do. You cannot speak up. There's not a legal court that is going to be able to protect you because the courts are going to be on the other side coming against you as well. What do I do? I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And if it takes me to the cross, I take up my own cross and I follow him. And I'd also add that sometimes we, we may never see the vengeance of the Lord or how he repays, and we may never know, and I think that's... In you know, our in lifetime. In our lifetime, yeah, exactly. You know, it may not be something you... But again, that's that's a wrong mindset to go into it with. Well, I'm not going to say anything because the Lord's going to really, really punish you and give it to you. You know, ultimately, we want that person to come to know Christ and, and repent and, you know, the Lord have mercy on them. But yeah, it's, it's you know, we're not promised to see it in this life and whether that's, you know... Vengeance that happens uh, in eternity, you know, on right. Judgment Day. Right. Um, the the Lord's responsible for that, but it's in His way and in His timing, and not the, not the vengeance that we've envisioned sometimes mm-hmm. for, for people that are doing evil or doing wrong. Right. Look at the next verse. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And people argue, what does this actually mean? But it's all about what we do and that vengeance belongs to the Lord. But as we reflect God's character in responding to evil, to me, what the verse is saying, the judgment of God upon that individual or individuals becomes greater. You are heaping burning coals on his head. As I reflect the devil's character in responding to the devil, we're just in the same arena. But if my enemy is hungry and I feed him, and if he is thirsty and I give him a drink, the judgment of God is being greater and greater upon this individual as he continues this against me. And from this time forward, you're looking at 200 and probably 70 years 
before Christianity. The faith became known as Christianity by the end of the first century before Christianity is even allowed to exist. It was illegal by government. And so we're dealing with a time until Constantine comes onto the scene, persecution, sometimes organized, sometimes sporadic, but we're dealing with Christians that are under severe persecution all the way up until the uh, first part of the fourth century. And so you got to keep that in mind, what you were saying. We may not see it with our own eyes, but we walk by faith. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. It's not in this world. We keep doing the right things over and over again. Don't expect, well, in my own eyes, I do something nice for someone, and then God's judgment's going to come on them, and they're going to lose everything, and I'm going to get everything. No, that's not the mentality yeah, at all. I think you're going into it with the wrong heart if, you, if you're looking at it that way. That's, yeah. a, that's something you got to check, but check God's yourself. Ju- but God's judgment is upon them if they continue doing that, as I am feeding those that are hungry, my enemy, giving water to the thirsty who are my enemy. Then I am putting burning coals on their heads as I do that. Yeah, this this just you you mentioned Stephen earlier and this kind of not sure if it's exact to this verse and you could tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, when he was speaking truth to them, when he was telling them, you know, and he goes through that whole diatribe of from Moses, you know, all the way up to what God has done for the Israelites and, and just speaks truth and kind of calls them out there. But they started gnashing their teeth. They were so upset, you know, and then they eventually stoned him, you know, and he was just speaking truth. And I think it's an example of me of how as we do that if they're really going to get upset about it in these these burning coals where they're just really get fired up, I think kind of that's what I, I envision when I see that. And I've seen it in my life. You know, you, you do something wrong or you're arguing with someone and they're just as calm and as nice as they can be. That almost just makes you more mad and you just get more upset that this person's just not coming at you with the same spirit and getting as agitated as you are. And I've seen it reverse too, or if I, you know, I'm staying calm and someone just gets even more fired up when you when you try to be loving and walk in love when you speak to them. Yes. Think about the world and the culture that we're living in today, how angry they get, how how violent that they can become in just a moment's time. I mean, we're dealing with a real evil. And they're out preaching social justice, but they're actually living a life of injustice. You can never have justice unless you reflect the character of God. So how do we respond to that? Do we respond by screaming at them, yelling at them, being like them, and attacking them? No. Hey, here's some food. Here's some water. I'm confident in who I am in Christ. I know what the truth is. I don't have to get in a screaming match with someone and start acting like them, even though the temptation is there. But I am going to speak truth in love. I am going to rejoice in what is right. And I'm not going to rejoice with unrighteousness. I'm going to walk in God's love. That is my heart. That is what I want to do. And by doing this, what happens to them? They get more and more angry. But at the same time, it has to be something that is planting a seed within their hearts. These individuals represent something that I do not have, and that's the whole goal. And in that persecution of Stephen, one of them, Saul, who later became known as Paul, became one of the greatest preachers and is writing this letter 
to the believers at Rome. We got to keep that in mind as well. Yeah, wow, that's powerful. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So constantly looking at my own life, I can only control on how I respond in every situation, but especially in the situation of tribulation, which becomes very difficult. I can control my own thoughts by God's grace. I can control my own actions. I can control how I respond to evil, not doing evil, but in every situation, asking the Lord, give me your guidance, your direction. God, you have said you do not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. This is what Paul is going to say later on in Timothy, writing to Timothy. So I have the power of God, the love of God, the wisdom of God through God's Spirit that is within me, and I can do this for God's glory. And so I can only take care of what is happening in my own life and my actions that I live every single day. Let my life be a testimony of God's grace. And if I can do that, if I lose my home, it's okay. And if I lose my job promotion because I named the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, it's okay. What is important is that I leave a testimony behind. And I do not overcome evil by doing evil. I overcome evil by doing what is right that reflects the character of God. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Use this recording for your glory. And God, may we not just say these things, but Lord, let it be implemented within our hearts so that we can truly have actions that reflect who you are. And thank you, God, for the power of your spirit, your anointing that is within us, God. Let us walk and minister in that anointing that is within us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.